This week on The Uncommon Truth, we have a very special episode. Today, Vicki and I are joined by Pastor Tony Kim from Renaissance Church in Bakersfield, California. Tony Kim and his wife Jessica founded Renaissance International in 2009 with an apostolic call to train, equip, mobilize, and release the church to reach the lost and fulfill their destiny to transform every aspect of society through the power of the Holy Spirit. They believe that we are the generation to usher in the greatest harvest the world has ever seen. Tony also leads a global relational revival and reformation movement called Roar Collective and a school of revival and reformation, Roar Academy. They have three children and live in Bakersfield, California. Tony spent some time in Oroville at the Father's House teaching at the School of Transformation and speaking at church. He joined us on The Uncommon Truth, where he shared some stories and spoke about his passion to see the world transformed through the gospel of Jesus. Stay tuned for The Uncommon Truth with Vicki and Tony Kim coming right up. Here's a sneak peek. We ended up going to Bakersfield, moving there. It's a different world. And, and so, well, we moved there, and I just saw the level of poverty. Mm. And growing up in poverty, you know, as I shared the other day, uh, we grew up dumpster diving for food for five, wow. six years, you know, through junior high school, just to put food on the table. Wow. And so I know what it means to be without. I know what it means to, you know, come up from a broken upbringing. And I just couldn't sit there. So me and my unwise zeal, I, I called the mayor's office. And I said, you know what? My name is Tony. I need to meet with the mayor. And they say, who are you? And I said, I represent all the churches in Bakersfield. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> you did. Nice. I did. Yeah. And, you know, looking back, obviously they knew that I didn't. But I think they love my passion. And so I met with the mayor at the time. And my question just was, how can we serve you? You're listening to The Uncommon Truth, a podcast about Christianity the way Jesus meant it to be. The Uncommon Truth is a podcast produced by the Father's House Church of Orville, California, and is available wherever podcasts can be found. If you missed an episode or want to share the show with a friend, visit uncommonpodcast.com. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please take a second to leave us a review. That helps us climb the charts so more people can find out about Christianity the way Jesus meant it to be. If you want to give us your feedback, you can email the show at uncommontruthpodcast at gmail.com and we'll try to feature your questions and comments in an upcoming episode. Finally, if you're looking to learn more about the Father's House Church, School of Transformation, or Life Recovery Ministries, visit fathershouseoroville.com. And now let's get into The Uncommon Truth. So welcome to The Uncommon Truth. My name is Max, and today I'm joined by Vicki Orsillo. Hey, hey. As always, and we have a special guest. We've got Tony Kim. Special guest. From Bakersfield. We kicked Steve off. Very special. It's good to be here. Good to see you guys. Glad you're here, Tony. He just told us his, his only rule with being a guest on a podcast is we've got to make him look good. That's why and I'm so, here. So, oh, you're going to make him look good? Absolutely. I'm okay. in trouble. <laughs> he was worried that, that you might heckle him like you heckle Steve. Yeah. So, I, I'll be gentle-ish. We're not on YouTube today. We're, we're on audio only because we've got lots of stuff going on at the church. We've got classes and everywhere. There's walls being torn out, painted. I don't know. You can check out our... I think we're filming a time lapse of all the things that happened in the church. Did you do that? Yeah, we're we're we just set up a little GoPro camera and watch people go really fast. Like ants. 
uh, except the one time I decided to walk super slow, take about 10 minutes to walk across the church on the time lapse. And so it looks like I'm walking at normal speed and everybody's zooming around me. Other than that, we're all artistic we're all buzzing license. Like bees. Yeah, we are. It's so. not, it's springtime. Yeah, it's great. Mm-hmm. So Tony's here. Uh, you got invited by our our school school of transformation directors to come and teach, and I've been in a few of your classes already, and it's it's really cool to have have somebody from outside our bubble <laughs> to come in and share a little bit of of life outside and. It's, it's just been really good to, to sit into your classes. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself for people who might not have heard of you? Yeah. Um, my name is Tony. I've been married for 22 years. Wow. Um, three kids. Uh, my daughter's 20. She's a professional ballerina. Oh, cool. And has a couple businesses and does a lot of stuff on social media as the younger generation, they all do. Yeah. Yep. Um, my son's 17 and he loves his video games. What else Who can I say? He's, yeah. he's a gamer. 17. Mm-hmm. Right? Teenager. And and then my youngest daughter, she's 14. And wow. she learned how to do... She, she began drawing during COVID. And she... I don't know what happened, but obviously she takes after my wife or something <laughs> because she was exceptional. She already has a couple contracts she signed. For what? To draw for a production company. Amazing. And then wow. she was just asked to illustrate a book. And she's, you know, on... She posted something on YouTube and um, and got a couple hundred thousand hits. Wow. And all of a sudden, I just thought, who are you? 14. And so, <laughs> That's um, awesome. Yeah, so we're just, you know, my wife and I, we just, we're family people. Uh, but my background, you know, in my childhood, I grew up in gangs and drugs from the streets. And I was part of an Asian gang and then also part of a black gang. Where, where at? And uh, in San Jose in wow. Oakland. Wow. I and didn't know that. so in the late 80s, we spent a lot of time in Oakland because my parents were separated wow. at the time and he owned a liquor store. And so I was between parents. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And, uh, and at the time, you know, Oakland was the number one murder capital in the nation. And so there was a lot of violence. And so I grew up in that. Wow. And, Holy cow. And then met Jesus when I was 13. And it took me a process to get out. You know, some people, it's, I got set free immediately. I got, nothing was ever immediate for me. <laughs> everything was hard. You were living in yeah. open. You know, I was, yeah. everything was difficult. Everything was a process. But I got out of it. And it's a miracle that I'm actually leading a church in ministry. I, it's it's a wonder to me. I still tell God, you got the wrong guy. Yeah. I, I don't lead like a pastor. I don't think like a pastor. I don't even act like a pastor. Thank God. You know, mm. I guess that's a good thing. It's a good thing. And I so think most, it is anyway. Most people, they go into shock when they find that I'm a pastor. I don't know if that's a good thing or bad. Well, you look young. You you, you, you With a daughter 20, you got to be close to 40, correct? Pretty close. Yeah. 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 <laughs> So you look very young. Is this, is this uh, prices right where you can't go over? Well, I just being I'm trying yes. to make him look good. No, we. I was shocked. My wife said that to me too yesterday after class. Like he has a daughter who's twenty. Yeah. How'd that happen? Yeah. I got married when I was six. <laughs> and, uh, In Oakland. Yeah. In Oakland. <laughs> yeah. That's why I got saved. But uh, yeah, I'm for those uh, for the listeners. You know, I'm much older than you would expect, mm-hmm. and and so. But yeah, so here we are. Yep. And uh, from Bakersfield, California, beautiful Bakersfield. Beautiful Bakersfield. Don't, okay, I, I hadn't really. The only time I ever heard of Bakersfield before before I met you was the movie Castaway, 
because the the part that comes <laughs> the right. part that saves Tom Hanks in Castaway is the like porter potty shell and he says Bakersfield Bakersfield and he just is shouting Bakersfield on the beach with Wilson wow that's all I ever you knew. had never you're you're from America I'm from Colorado have, I never that's crazy everybody uh, knows Bakersfield okay well I didn't seriously right yeah a lot of people do and unfortunately in more of a negative light than a positive yeah. one that's right it's, it's but, like Oroville yeah exactly. Mm-hmm. You know, we're like Twin Cities, right? Yes, you guys Similar. are way bigger, though. Yeah. We are. Yeah. And so we, you know, I've been in Bakersfield for 21 years. Wow. And and out of Bakersfield, I get to travel the world and just do things that I never asked for. But it's it's incredible just to be a mm. part of what God's doing, right? Amen. Um, locally and around the world. So that's a little bit about me. Okay. And... Uh, Oh, I do need to say, you know, um, you know, we, I'm a part of different movements. I lead movements, but also uh, the director, national director for Harvest International Ministries as well. Oh, cool. Um, and help lead that. Is that, is that Cheon's church? That's Cheon, In Pasadena? Yeah. And, uh, and I've been connected with him for over 20 years. Yeah. And just relationally, just, you know, he's been, a, he's been really like a father to my wife and I. I didn't know and, that. You didn't know that? No, I didn't know he was like a father to you. Oh, yeah. I know that you were there when Steve, um, we, we tried to join Harvest Rock 20 years ago, and we our, our, kind of our lives intercepted a little bit back then. It was kind of fascinating, but because uh, we knew you were there then, right? When I we was. we tried to call you, ca- tried to call, and we talked to somebody, and we had the story with you, and it was kind of interesting. I was, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I wasn't part of the full, but... I had a close relationship with Chain Sue. Yeah, and we've been to Harvest Rock quite a few times mm-hmm. for conferences back in the 90s and early 2000s. Right. We know Che is a good guy. And so, yeah. yeah, and that's part of one of the, you know, just surprising things that took place recently is we won a U.S. Supreme Court case. Yes, really. that's the state right. Of it was Che, wasn't it? And so it was really through Che's leadership. Yep. And, and again, we weren't the only ones. No. HIM, mm-hmm. Harvest International Ministry, and Harvest Rock Church weren't the only ones. Yeah. But the interesting thing was, um, you know, through the lawsuit, for, for the listeners, just to give you a little quick background, mm-hmm. um, when the governor um, stated that the church is non-essential that's right. and stated that we couldn't meet, and mm-hmm. so we felt that he was taking away our constitutional rights you know, as a church. And and so through that, a number of leaders got together and separately and together, um, you know, sued the governor. And mm-hmm. Che was one of them. And the Harvest International Ministry uh, Network came along together and sued Governor Newsom uh, through Che's leadership. And it went to the Supreme Court. Supreme Court. Court. And wow. the mm-hmm. thing about the Supreme Court is you don't get to choose them. Mm-mm. They choose you. Oh, really? Yeah, and they so choose you, which cases they want wow. to take on, right? Yeah. Exactly. And so out of all the cases, they chose Praise that case. Lord. And they ruled in the favor that the churches have constitutional right to meet, and the governor couldn't uh, forbade us from wow. meeting due to that. And so that really opened up California for the churches mm-hmm. to meet. And, you know, as we know, as California goes, so goes the nation. That's right. So a lot of states followed mm-hmm. suit in that. That's right. So yeah, so interesting times we're living in. Oh boy, that's really cool, and that's all from all from Bakersfield. So I wanted to. You told a little bit of a story yesterday about first coming to Bakersfield and <laughs> and how you very early coming to Bakersfield, you already represented all the churches in Bakersfield. Yeah. Do, can you tell us that story? <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, I've always been pretty wild, and uh, I've been outside the box. But when when we were, when we moved to Bakersfield, one, it wasn't our choosing. Mm-hmm. And I didn't think, you know, I'm going to go and 
established our family in Bakersfield, we were actually on our way up to the Bay Area uh, to plant a church. And so based upon that, uh, we met some leaders from Bakersfield who invited us to come. And there's a whole story behind that, but we ended up going to Bakersfield, moving there. And when we moved there, I thought, this is this is insane. I'm a big city guy. I grew up in the Bay Area, San Francisco, San Jose, Oakland, and moved to L.A. Wow. And so I love the big city. Mm. And so when I moved to Bakersfield, their enticement was this. Tony, we're about to get our first Starbucks. <laughs> I thought. Oh, boy. You don't even have a Starbucks here? Sign what do you me mean up. you're yeah. about to get one? <laughs> right? I thought this is. I said, this, I've never been to a country like this. Mm-hmm. It's a different world. And, and so, well, we moved there, and I just saw the level of poverty. Mm. And growing up in poverty, you know, as I shared the other day, uh, we grew up dumpster diving for food for five, wow. six years, you know, through junior high school, just to put food on the table. Wow. And so I know what it means to be without. I know what it means to you know, come up from a broken upbringing. And I just couldn't sit there. So me and my unwise zeal i i called the mayor's office and i said you know what my name is tony i need to meet with the mayor and they say who are you and i said i represent all the churches in bakersfield <laughs> why not you did <laughs> nice i did yeah and you know looking back obviously they knew that i didn't but i think they love my passion and so mm-hmm. i met with the mayor at the time and my question just was how can we serve you wow how can the churches serve you? I just moved here, and I've been here for three months. And how can we serve as a church this community? What's your vision for the city as a mayor? And how can we come alongside and partner together? Wow! And that just opened up doors, just to and, and just favor that I've never imagined. And again, that was my conversation with them. But there were other people that the Lord really brought alongside me after that that actually knew what they were doing. Yeah. <laughs> And that took me under their wings. Hmm. And really, it was two other people. Um, and his name was David. And just incredible, incredible visionary, incredible Aww. leader. And just taught me and really imparted to me the practical things of city transformation. Wow. Hmm. And how to impact the city on a very tangible level. And so I learned through that. And then from there, I got invited to Washington, D.C. to present our program because of the impact we're having in our city. Come on. So what, what were you guys doing? So um, through that, we met with the director of uh, human services in our county, and the h- hardest to serve population was single mothers on welfare, uh, recovering from substance abuse with felony records with two, three kids. Wow. And I mean, that's like almost every odd against you. Yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. Right. And right not only that, they said we have over 25,000 cases in our county with that demographic population. And so we went back and they said, can you help? We said yes. And we panicked because we didn't know what we were yeah. doing. We just said yes. We just said <laughs> yes. yes. Yeah. Right. Just say it. Yes. I mean, there's power in the yes. Yes, absolutely. Right? And there's, and God will use ignorance, <laughs> right, to work on our behalf. Yeah. You know, and so we created a mentoring program. We just said, what would happen if we actually just mentored families on how to be family? Mm. And so we created a program um, it's no longer, it's morphed into another name, but at the time we called it family to family mentoring. And so what we did was we partnered with families in the church who are in the marketplace, professionals, and we trained them in the different areas, life skills, goal setting, career development, healthy relationship building. Wow. And, and really some of those pillars of life, right? To just 
be successful, uh, to walk with them for 16 weeks. And our motto was 16 weeks can change a life forever. Mm. Mm. And if we said, if you could give yourself 16 weeks to a family that could change them forever, would you volunteer? And they did. And the outcome of that was incredible uh, with the benchmarks and indicators that we set. And from there, it just led into, okay, you know, what can you do with the 100,000? And so they gave us 100. We said, we'll serve 100 families. And the following year was 250. The following year after that was 500. And it just continued growing. And it got national attention. Researchers, a PhD student started flying in to do study on our program. That's awesome. And they named us a promising practice, Mm -hmm. which then, once you're named that, then you get a high profile Mm -hmm. uh, based upon research. And that opened up doors to the highest levels of government where we went and just presented what we were doing and just found incredible favor with that. And it all started from you saying, hey, I need a meeting with the mayor. Yeah. Yeah. And my my thought was never, I want to go national. No. I want to be famous. I want a big platform. I want to serve. I just wanted to see, you know what? There's broken families around me, mm-hmm. and I just want to help. Mm-hmm. I just want to be a part of creating change. And that opened up to really international doors after that. I think, you know, it's fascinating is that it began with a yes. It just began with, you know, he, you know, he was he was fairly ignorant about coming into the city and he just said yes and he just and it, you know as we talk on the uncommon truth sometimes it's like here's another example of jesus just using your yes using your hey what can what can i how can i help yeah and grows into a incredibly you know national program where he's helping so many people mm-hmm. you know and the what's what's interesting for us and why we love tony so much is that in california state the two cities that are probably the most demonized and not liked would be Bakersfield and Oroville. Hmm. Anywhere you go, you say you're from Bakersfield or Oroville, they will basically squint their nose up and kind of like make like like a sour face. Like, why? Why would yeah. you live there? Which and, is a great um, question because then you get to tell them. That's exactly right. right. But so it's, it's pretty fantastic that the Lord Jesus would um, pick those two places, in my opinion, mm-hmm. to do a lot of transformation mm-hmm. and healing lots of hearts. And uh, for Steve and I and everybody at the Father's House, we're really – super excited because it's all he he started with a yes and i i just you know as we talked about that's that's all you really need to start with is a yes to jesus and, and even he doesn't really he's not really intimidated by our, our by our lack of knowledge or mm. what we don't know or yeah, what thankfully. we don't have yeah thankfully yeah, thank god <laughs> yeah so it's pretty exciting because so we we are when we heard tony's story at a conference we were like we just felt kindred spirits spirits right away and uh, so we're really glad he's here and we love his story. Yeah, well, it sounds a lot like your story with uh, with Steve because so you guys had the house that you were living in or that you moved to. It was a, a house Steve had built. Right. And it was it wasn't selling. It was it was sitting there and he had you guys had had a conversation like there's no way and we're it would moving have to, to Orville. It'd have to be the Lord to move us to Orville. We'd never we'd never go there. Never. never. And you had grown kids already. Or, or growing up right. kids, right? And so, uh, and then one day the Lord said, "All right, well, we're you're moving to Orville, Steve." And mm-hmm. he said, "What? You you better tell Vicky." Yeah, he just he had just told me um, we had just had the U-Haul, and he uh, it was a Sunday, and we we just had ordered the U-Haul to move to uh, to Orville, and he said we and everything was contingent upon the decision to Nicole's school and everybody, mm-hmm. and it was like the end of August, first of September, we couldn't we couldn't move, we were incapacitated to move, and so he said, "Turn the." U-Haul back in, and then he took a trip to Oroville to turn the air conditioner on because of 180,000 degrees in Oroville yeah. in the summertime. <laughs> and um, so as he pulled in the driveway, the Lord said, 
this is where I want you. So he called me and said, has the Lord said anything to you? And I said, yeah, we're moving to Orville. And we were there by two o'clock in the morning, the next awesome. that morning. Wow. So, yeah. but it was like, it was the last place I imagine for Tony too. It's kind of the last place uh, without Jesus becomes a first place with Jesus. Yeah. You know, so you just well, love That's what Steve right. says, right? Like uh, if without... Without the Lord, I would never want to move to Oroville. Oh. But but now that I know that He wants me here, that's that's exactly where I want that's to be. I, I wouldn't want. want to be anywhere that's else, right? Do right? you yeah. feel kind of the same about Bakersfield? Right? I do. It took me a number of years, and honestly, I'm still getting used to the culture because I'm still a big city guy. Still, huh? And but it's home. Yeah. And I wouldn't be honest if it wasn't for the Lord, I wouldn't be there. But because it is the Lord, we're there. Yeah. Yeah. And we've accepted it. It's our home. And we're we're gonna contend for what we believe God's promises for the city, mm. you know, from the armpit to beautiful Bakersfield. I agree. 100%. Yeah, and uh, it's interesting because I was complaining about that one day. It's like God, you sent me to the armpit of California. That's what they call it. Mm-hmm. Right? That's that's the connotation. That's a stigma that's of it. Bakersfield, mm-hmm. right? Thanks to a f- former famous comedian, mm-hmm. right? Do you know Do you know what happened? No, who is it? So Johnny Carson. Johnny Carson came through when he before he made it big. Mm-hmm. You know, God bless Johnny. I, he was so. I you know, him. he was he was hilarious. Yeah, he yeah, was hilarious. Right, and but one of the things he did was he came through Bakersfield, started talking about how stupid the people were. Oh wow! And how it smelled because of the dairy farm. Mm-hmm. You know, back then it was there wasn't much development there, and just cows and dairy and agriculture and oil, and so he just started and he got booed off the stage. So when he made it big, one of his first. Um, you know, stand-up jokes was, have you ever been to Bakersfield? That place has got to be the armpit of California. Wow. And so that stigma stuck. And that's how it became known, really, as the armpit of California. Yep. But then as I started asking the Lord, why did you bring, this is the armpit. Why not <laughs> New York, Chicago, Boston, you know, these yeah. big cities, right, where I, I love. And, and he said, Tony, he said, here's the thing about the armpit. He said, don't you know it's closest to my heart? Oh, wow. Wow. And that gave me a completely different perspective. Absolutely. And I thought, you know what? Bakersfield is on the heart of God. Mm-hmm. And he loves Bakersfield. And he loves he loves the foolish to confound the wise. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's that's what I feel about Orville. I absolutely love Orville. I go other places and it's beautiful. And then I but I come home and I'm like, oh, we have four stoplights, you know. I mean, we talk about traffic, right? <laughs> yeah. And we get so excited when the new Ross comes or Chipotle right. or whatever. Um, we're getting two a new Starbucks st- now. We two got two star- Starbucks. You know, it was years before we got Starbucks. It's probably the last. Six years we got our first Starbucks. Wow, revival is here. It's here. Yeah. That's what we knew we made it. We are on the map. That's yep. right. Two Starbucks. So you were talking about the Supreme Court case where where the churches got together and the governor Newsom said the churches aren't essential during this this time of lockdown. It's not an essential business, and uh, a lot of people were upset about that. But what we were, have been discussing over the past year is it might actually be true that the church as a whole has not made itself essential to the life of ev- everyday people yeah, that need yeah. us. Right. And, um, I just wanted to know what you thought about that and, and what you've been doing to make sure your church has been essential. Like people can't live without Jesus in your community. Good. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's true. You know, well, number one, the church has been essential for 2000 years. Mm-hmm. Right. And at the same time, I think this whole COVID thing really exposed the condition of the church. That's good. In terms of our essentiality. I would say we're not just essential, we're critical to the community. But the fact that we had to fight, we're saying the same thing. 
you know, the fact that we have to fight to let people know that we're essential lets us know that we abdicated something yeah. that wow. we're called to be for the community. That's good. Mm-hmm. And 110, 120 years ago, if you look at history, all charity came through the church. Amen. If any, if there was domestic violence, the peace officers would get involved, but they would get the church That's involved, right? Yeah. right? The, the local pastor. Um, if there was any need, the church would get involved to fill that need. Mm-hmm. All charity was through the local church. Mm-hmm. And so it was imperative that the church's doors remain open. But what we've done in our culture is we've really abdicated. You know, it, no one took anything away. We gave it away. It's yeah, good. We gave away our essentiality. We gave away our place of authority in the community. And so when churches close down, it's almost, there's no impact. Where they missed. You know, it's, and so my question to Christians is, God forbid if anything happened to you, would the community mourn that you're gone? Wow, that's mm. good. Because if they don't, then there's we have to live differently, mm-hmm. you know. And that's one of the things I so love about you guys and what you're doing. You know, I come to I was coming to Oroville, and my friends would say, "What's your next trip?" And I said, "Oroville." It wasn't why are you going to Oroville. It was, wait a minute, is it, is it that place where there's like transformation happening? Wow. Mm. So I mean, God, you know, the news is spreading. Yeah. And I said, yeah, that's exactly where, you know, I'm going. And they're like, that's amazing, you know. And so the, you. I think God used you guys to literally change the reputation of the city, you know, where news is spreading now, you know, but, you know, where the mayor said, we need you guys, Mm -hmm. you know, that's such a powerful uh, declaration, Mm -hmm. you know, from the leader. And, and so I think, you know, practically speaking, you know, it's, it's, of course, we believe in, you know, sharing the gospel, but sharing the gospel is not only talking. Come on. It's demonstrating. Yeah. Come on. You know, it's giving a cup of water to the thirsty. Come on. It's to, it's to feed those who are hungry. That's right. Right. That's, that's, that's what Jesus said. You know, I've been anointed to preach good news to the poor. It's not just by words, but by demonstration, bind up the broken, bring healing to people's hearts, souls, mm-hmm. by, you know, giving them, meeting their needs, and then not only physically, but also spiritually, but mm-hmm. together. And I think there's an awakening taking place right now, and there's a realization of really the society is the barometer of where the church is. Hmm. But I'm excited in terms of what's happening at the same time because there is movement now yeah. taking place. There's definitely an opportunity present. Like every time there's something that looks like a catastrophe like COVID there's actually a huge opportunity. It feels like the father's house has really grown the most. I mean, I've only been here for almost three years, but the most growth has happened during COVID for yeah, us. Yeah, because they're desperate. I, I really like what uh, Tony said is that, you know, we've all, the Christian church has always been essential. We just, in, in my lifetime, it's like we've, we, it, I'm, this is a generalization, but we've just, we've abdicated to the, to the government, to the, to the, mm-hmm. you know, other other entities that fulfill the needs so we don't have to and i think it's a really good time for all of us to look in the mirror and say if i if i passed away would anybody mourn would would, mm-hmm. would, my, would i would i would there be a loss at all in what i've done with my life and who i've impacted and the church should have been the number one place where people because they're so scared this year they're so yes. so frightened down to their very identity you know um there was no jobs there was no money there was no uh, entertainment there was no education um it, it's like they should have been running to the churches and i i feel like mm-hmm. if if we navigated correctly through this covid 
Um, I think the churches should be blowing up right now. Like you said, I think I probably, you too have seen this in, in the last year. We have seen pe- more and more people looking behind the curtain at the Father's house, seeing who what we're about. They've heard about us for years, maybe. And now they're looking and, and checking us out. And they should check us out before they just step into a church. They should know what, you know, the fruit of our ministry is. And I think I think the churches need to look at themselves and say, let's be essential. Mm-hmm. Like you said, feed, feed the hungry, mm-hmm. clothe the naked, you know, <laughs> live the words of Jesus. And I totally agree with what he said. Yeah. It's great. Another part of that is, um, like, I always, when I became a Christian and I started learning what most Christians care about. Um, I was, I was always really struck with the difference between Christian, Christian culture, kind of like Christian club and, and what Christians are known to be about, which is usually what we're against. Right. Wow. And, uh, and so we're against this in culture. We're against this in culture. You can be for this, but we're mostly against this. And I remember that a lot growing up because I, I was a, I became a Christian at 13 too. So that's a really interesting time to be like, your identity is forming then, right? Perfect time. And, um, and you said something yesterday in class, like a lot of Christians have been raised in this culture war model where it's like, mm. we have to go to war with culture and culture is, we're going to just beat it down and shape it. And you said like, it's not, it's not, it doesn't have to be about that, right? Mm-hmm. It, it can be about like Jesus wasn't always known for what he was against, but he was known what for what he was for, right? That's right. Yeah. So can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I think as Christians, the world knows what we're against. Amen. Right? We're known for... We've made it clear. We, we, they know we're against this, 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 That's this. Right. We can make it out of my list, mm-hmm. right? In terms of everything we preach from the pulpits down to it's what really we good. talk about every day. Yeah. And what I realized in my journey was, you know what? I realize I'm creating a war with people he's called me to reach. Come on. Mm. And when you do that, you have no authority and you have no open door, no favor. And that and looking at Jesus's life, and I think that's what we need to come back to is looking at the life of Jesus. How did he operate? Yeah. Right? And he did say, I did not come to bring peace. I came to make war. Mm-hmm. But he came as the prince of peace. So how did he create war and win the battle? Yeah. It was through love. Mm-hmm. You know, he loved people through the process, in process. And so in all that, I think we need to we need to be known for what we're for mm. more than what we're against. And and that is don't create war with people that you're called to, but how do you bring the kindness of God yeah. to these people? And and really that's very individualistic. I think we need to hear God for ourselves on how to reach people. Mm. Um but I think this is this is part of the reformation and the shift that's taking place in the church today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, did you have any instances or stories of like reaching out to people that that would really be like I don't know, not really fit into what we would normally think of as as like mainstream church, or just like making connections with people that that really would be on the other side of what we would have would call like the culture wars yeah you know um i'll just say there's a community of people that would not like you and i mm-hmm. as followers of jesus and you know coming into relationship with them there's there's been a lot of combativeness you know people come in with the fight mm-hmm. right and they would say you know what you hate people like us hmm. and my statement is well 
I don't know you enough to hate you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, no, you hate. And I said, actually, you don't know me. And so for me, it's how do you build that relational connection before you dive into cultural subjects that actually are already in division? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and to me, it's relational equity. Mm-hmm. You know, once they know my heart, we come into conversation, not from a public place, but really heart to heart. Right. And just talk about some things. And um, and so, you know, within the approach of people speaking against, I've had people come on radio against me, TV against me, um, death threats from different sectors of yeah. you know society. And through all that, I become friends with many of them. Because I sat down, had a meal to get understanding, mm-hmm. right? And I think empathy and understanding will get you so far, you know, just to hear their story, hear mm-hmm. their journey, hear their heart, you know? So for me, it's if you see them, hear them and feel with them, you'll win their hearts. Mm. And then you can have the difficult conversations from there. Yeah. It's so good because, you know, we talking about Jesus, you know, and, and he, I didn't come to, you know, I came with a sword, but when you read the words of Jesus, it's like he he mostly went after the church, the um, the religious leaders. He had great em- empathy for the ones that right. would be the culturally divided people for their mm-hmm. time. You know, the prostitutes and the you know disenfranchised and demonized. He he loved them and, and shared meals with them, like Tony said. But the church, I think, it, for the most part, has waged war, cultural war without getting to know the person. It says mm-hmm. love covers a multitude of sins. Mm-hmm. It's like every person wants to be known, just like what Tony said. It's like get to know their humanity, you know, get to know them, get to know their story. And that for us at the Father's House, I just gonna confess that when we started the drug addiction ministry, I was very ignorant and and um and judgmental towards why people were drug addicts. And then you sit down and listen to their story and and the atrocities that we had in the trauma that has been yeah. inflicted on them it's by their mothers and the fathers. Aren't, Correct. Right? And and you're like, oh my goodness, you know, I, I've been so arrogant. Like, you know, pick yourself up, dust yourself off. You know, that's the culture yeah. and the, the generation I come from is basically a working culture and you work everything out. But the it's when you get to know the humanity and the, like I said, and the hurt that they have, you start to understand and have compassion and love for them. It's not, it, we should be known not for what we're against, but what we're for. And we're for mm. Jesus and love. That's right. You know, and love covers a multitude of sins, but so often, and, and I'm, I'm guilty of it, you know, preconceived notions and judgments, but it's like, I really don't want to be someone who says, oh, she's against this. She's against that. She's against that. Mm. She's picketing. She's yelling. She's spitting, you know, mm-hmm. on the picket line. Yeah. I want to, I want love covers a multitude of sins. Mm. I think that's what every person really needs is a message of Jesus Christ and uh, the anger. And they're so, they're so scared right now, you know, and it's just become so divisive. And if they really knew Jesus, if they met Jesus, they would, their whole life would be transformed. Yeah. Yeah. So good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really cool. You know, as you guys both were talking, I thought of how, how much oppression comes against people who just want to go and do what Jesus did, right? It came against Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, I've heard a lot of Vicky's stories about, you know, people just not really like, oh, you're from the father's house and I don't really, oh, there's got to be something I don't like about you, right? And uh, all the years of of people speaking out against Steve and Vicky just for daring to do these big things in Orville. Has that, you, you mentioned it briefly, uh, people like death threats and things like that. Like what happens when you go and you're moving to bringing bringing change into a place, there's something that like resists in the culture, but also in in the church too, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
Yeah, absolutely. And really, I think a lot of that happens because, you know, what Vicky just talked about is there's lack of understanding. Mm. They mm-hmm. don't know you, right? And so I just, during the COVID times, I just got taken off the cult list. In really? Relation. Oh, you did? I did. Well, and I'll tell you, I'll tell you why. It's <laughs> because I engaged with the community after the George Floyd incident oh, as good. a Korean American yep. and stood with my black brothers and sisters, my Latino brothers wow, and sisters. Awesome. And, and they heard me share at, at our rally, at our gathering. And the ones who judged me came back to me and they repented. Oh. And they called, we went to a meal. They said, Tony, they said, I think you know the Greek and Hebrew better than I do. Wow. And I said, I probably do. Yeah. <laughs> let's be honest. Let's, yeah, let's be honest about this. And they said, you really know the Bible. I said, what'd you think? You know, I said, what do you think? I, and they said, Tony, we had no clue. That's awesome. And and so I'm, I'm gaining friends from this. And so I, I really don't focus so much on the negativity that I receive. Because if I did that, I'd be in depression. I'm yeah. back on drugs, back in gangs, <laughs> yeah. ready to go to war. Oh, boy. Yeah. Right? But I think I, the challenge is this, and I love this because I love a good challenge. You know, like Vicky and Steve do. Mm-hmm. It's, you know what? If they hate me, what can I do to win them over? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? And that's that's just a way that I see in see the world see life mm-hmm. in that way and again kindness love compassion mm-hmm. empathy and uh and so i really don't focus too much on the critics anymore i used mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. yeah but now it's just you know what keep my head down That's god cool. what's my assignment mm-hmm. i'm not going to get distracted and i'm just going to love my way through this it seems like when you do that it does change people's hearts and minds mm-hmm. because that's what's happening for you vicky you and steve right mm-hmm. there's um, there's a huge movement of the churches of Orville all moving in step right now. It's amazing. And even three years ago when I got here, that wasn't the case. No, it's really amazing. I think what he said is so good. You know, for many years, um, I think we've been at the Father's house, we think 23 years. Um, but we did. We focused on, you know, the, the judgment and the criti- criticisms. And I think just putting your head down and saying, let's go, this, you know, and mm-hmm. loving, loving every person you come in contact with and keeping short accounts. Because for us, um, quite honestly, it was a church for us that was probably mm-hmm. the hardest because we came in to change. You know, we had a, we had a marching assignment from Jesus, and we were going to do it, and we weren't going to stop to you know just think about unity. And you know, I mean, we want unity, but it doesn't mean that every stops to do what one person's doing. So we got a, we got flack, and it's just like finally things changed because we came in the opposite spirit, trying right. to help the churches, you know, uh, with no apparent motive. And I think mm-hmm. putting your head down and just focusing on Jesus. But there was there was a time that it was very difficult. Um, I mean, we were offended at every turn, you know, and, and we want to take our mm-hmm. ball and go home. Um, but yeah, love covers a multitude of sins. It's I'm not really that concerned anymore about the critics. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I just try to love them when I see them mm-hmm. and. And then repent when I judgmental. That's good. Yeah, and here's the reality too. I think if we keep our eyes off the critics and just do what Jesus calls Amen. us to do, the fruit that's will right. speak for itself. Come yeah. on. And when they taste the goodness of God and mm-hmm. the fruit that's being produced through you, through your family, through your ministry, church, business, yep. whatever, they can't deny that. They can't deny. Yeah. It. And because it tastes so good, it's Jesus. I know. You know, you find friends that way. You win hearts over that way. That's why we love Tony. That we feel such a kindred spirit, and we don't get together enough as we should. But there's a kindredness in Jesus that mm-hmm. we both are going the same way, and we might look entirely different the way he does in Bakersfield that we do in Orville. But it's Jesus, and there's no denying 
let's just listen to Jesus and follow him and do what Mm -hmm. he says and not make excuses for what he says. And that's what we love about Tony and and his ministry. You know, it's all about Jesus. Yeah, that's good. Do you have have 10 more minutes? I'm with you guys. Okay, good. So, okay. So, so I wanted to ask, um, when I, when I was first contemplating, when the Lord was moving my wife, Sheree and I to start thinking about moving to Oroville and, and being ready to say yes for that, um, we were driving to our church at the time and I, I was asking him just as I was driving, it's really monotonous, these straight roads in Manitoba, Canada, just straight, straight for hundreds of miles. And I was asking him like, why don't I experience you more? Why don't I have more of you with me all the time? Like it's hard to feel you all the time. And, uh, he said, well, maybe you should do something that takes some risk. That's Mm -hmm. something that, and so when I, I first started this camp ministry thing, I was just out of college. I didn't know what I was going to do. I filled in this leadership role. Like, I'm not, I don't really want to do this, but there's nobody else. And I filled it in and I felt the Lord really moving through me because it was such a stretching experience. And then like six years later, it was like, I already know all this stuff. I'm, I'm just kind of going by rote. And I, that's when I asked the question, why, why am I not experiencing more of you? And it was almost like, well, you're not doing the things that like you're not growing with me this vision of this this risk there's nothing risky for you you don't really need my help right now and uh, I was just wondering if you could share with the listeners some ways that they can actually take risks with God and and be a part of implementing his plan and advancing that's a loaded loaded <laughs> subject I'm gonna let him go on that that's why one. it's the uncommon truth Tony. And so I mean here's the reality and I'm just gonna go for it right now go for it right Here's my question for all of us is what Jesus are we following? Come on. Right. And can you say that again? You know, what Jesus are we following? Good. Because I think right now during the pandemic, I'm speaking to so many leaders and they're struggling with their church Mm. and their people, people are struggling, you know, and so are we, right? I mean, let's face it. We're we're all on the same playing field, Mm -hmm. but here's the difference. Those there's those who are struggling in this. There's some of us who are thriving. We're thriving in this. People ask me, how are you doing? Great. You know what? Every area of our life is, right. I love it. Amen. I love, to me, it's not a global lockdown. It's a divine Sabbath. Come on. Right? And so I realized, you know what? We preached an American gospel, not a biblical one. Mm. We have an American Jesus, not a biblical Jesus that we're following. And we have made an idol out of our American gospel, comfort, yeah. Being comfortable in safety. safety, we have made safety an idol in our culture. Yeah, right. Make sure that the church is a safe place for people to come. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Blow it up. It's. <laughs> it, I mean, it's. Have you read the Bible? Right. It's, <laughs> how those guys died. Those how they guys, lived. Right. You yeah. know, it's. Well, you know, if you want to follow me, deny yourself, pick, <laughs> pick up, up your cross, cross. follow me, yeah. eat my body, drink my blood. Right. Yeah safety those aren't found in the right? church church building no. handbook right exactly and so I, I wanted to say this first because really in order to take a risk we have to give up our right for safety mm-hmm. and we have to give up our right to be comfortable the bible didn't say that we're going to find com- our lives are going to be comfortable if we follow jesus but it did say that we're going to meet the god of all comfort Amen. yeah because wow. we're going to be uncomfortable right and so we need to learn to take risks and again risk really comes down to how much do you trust God? Hmm. Do you believe who he says he is? And in your relationship with God, in your relationship and intimacy with Jesus, 
do you believe the word of God? And and that's gonna that determines everything. It determines your trajectory. It determines how you live, how you see the world, and and I remember in the beginning, in, and, and we're all growing in this. Absolutely. No one's arrived except Absolutely. for Vicky, mm-hmm. you know. Well, and so well, that goes without saying. But but everybody else, go ahead. Right, and 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 we're all processing through this. So I'm not saying this is a cast dispersion, but it's just a reality that I've come to, you know, in in our current day, and. And I remember, I mean, God, he's, you know, he, I'm kind of, I live this kind of radical thing, you know, just people go, man, he's radical. He's, and Jesus. so Jesus, I take risks, you know, and I shared story five years ago. Um, I was in a head on collision, broke my knees, three ribs, fractured collarbone, concussion, shattered my left hand. I need to go into surgery. Hmm. And the, here's the risk. The next day I was supposed to fly to Asia to do conferences in three nations and people everyone was everyone was telling me cancel the conference stay home get your surgery rest get healed up but here's the thing when i said yes to jesus you knew i did not sign up to to be i signed up thinking i'm gonna die somewhere Mm -hmm. in another nation and so long story short i prayed and i felt like god saying i want you to go and so I asked the doctor, what would happen? And she said, well, the world, I say, will I die? She said, I couldn't answer that. I said, what will happen? What's the, and she said, if you don't get surgery now, you can, your left hand can be amputated mm. because of the condition. Wow. Mm. And I said, you know what? I'm going to take the risk because I feel like God's telling me to go. Worst comes to worst, I'll lose the left hand, but at least I have my right hand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I went. I couldn't walk. I couldn't think straight. But I went because wow. I felt like God saying go. Hmm. I wasn't sure if he was saying go, but I felt like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wish I could say 100% I knew because I'm that godly. You know? <laughs> yeah. But I just didn't. And But I went wow. there and God showed up. And I ended up having surgery there in Asia. And I'm ministering to people, ministering to leaders. And someone came forward and paid for the entire surgery <laughs> wow the only on. only that's a god setup <laughs> come yeah. on but that all began wow. with yes god i'm risking this i don't i'm not sure but i'm sensing this mm-hmm. is what you're saying and i'm willing to go and see what happens yeah. wow because i know who you say you are i don't know what's going to happen but i know that you're good mm-hmm. and i know that you're faithful wow and that's based awesome. on that we went and just experienced god in tremendous powerful ways that's just one of my stories. You know, and it, it, it's fascinating is that he didn't know for sure it was God, but he <laughs> yeah. had, felt, had a feeling. <laughs> that stuck and out to me too. It's that yes. It's that yes. You know, even if he maybe didn't, maybe it wasn't even, God didn't even want maybe to go, but it's he ordains the steps and he becomes, mm-hmm. and, he, and he, because of his faithfulness, God opened the doors for him. And it was like he, he believed he was following Jesus. And then all these things shall be added unto mm-hmm. you. Seek ye yeah. first the kingdom of God. And it was so, that's such an incredible faith story of just like, you know, I think it was God because yeah. probably, <laughs> it probably wouldn't be him to go, let me get out of my sick bed and go fly to yeah, Asia right. and be, and be handicapped. Well, how cool would it be if you met the Lord and he's like, yeah, I actually didn't tell you to, but I'm how, really proud of you. However, <laughs> yeah. And you then, and then, and then all these things, it was, it was so neat. And I, that's, that's exactly why we love Tony because in our, in our travels, we don't find the as many as we feel like we maybe should can we just read jesus can we just mm-hmm. not make it a, a um american jesus like he said it's like we we as 
we generalization and it's me too we we value safety and money and and education and our retirement and our you know that's I don't know where that is in the New Testament. Yeah. I don't know what he's saying is exactly true. It's like we have we have so homogenized the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yeah. It's unrecognizable to me. And they call us radical. Right. We, they're called yeah. radical because <laughs> we read the words of Jesus and try to live them. I don't know. Right. I don't mm-hmm. think I'm as That's radical something. as Peter or, or <laughs> any of the other guys. You know, I mean, I would like to be. But I'm not. You're you pretty know, radical. I'm pretty radical. I'm pretty loud, but I don't know if I'm radical. But, <laughs> you know, so I, I just absolutely, amen, amen, amen to everything he believes and everything he's saying. 100%. So Uncommon. Just real quick, somebody listen out there and they don't have a speaking engagement across the other side of the world tomorrow. They got to do something today to take radical. a risk. What? Give somebody, give the listeners some homework. Yeah. Find the one person in front of you that's hurting. Yeah. And ask Jesus wow. what you can do for that That's person. exactly right. Okay. And then do it? And do it. And okay. Do it. Yeah. And That's do awesome. it. And don't wait to hear from Jesus. Just do it. That's right. He already said it. He already said it. Right. And so get past your mindset. Uh-huh. You know, instead of asking, what if it doesn't happen? What if it does? Amen. Mm. And just go do what you think Jesus would do. So cool. good. That's really good. Well, I think that's a lot of time we've taken of your time in Orville, and we really we really appreciate you stopping by and hanging out with us um people who want more of what you're mm-hmm. what you're doing in bakersfield uh any of this stuff how can they find you and and resources that you got you could go to roaracademy.org r-o-a-r academy.org and you can find some resources there. You can find me on social media, okay. Tony Kim. Actually, you could go to Roar Connect on Facebook and then on Instagram, Tony Kim Backwards, Mickey Nut, M-I-K-Y-N-O-T. That's why it's that. I wondered what that Tony was Tony Kim Backwards. Was, yeah. was People like, come Mikey up to me Hatch. and they go, hey, Mikey. Yeah. I go, hey, how's it going? My name's Tony. And they, they had this blank look like, on their why? face. Why? That's great. Okay, I never figured that out. That's good. That's really good. Vicky is our social media guru here. Yeah, so. guru. Yeah, that's what I am. Well, that's cool. Um, If people are listening, they want more Uncommon Truth, you can go to Mm uncommonpodcast.com. If you missed, uh, if you're just halfway through this episode on the radio, I don't know if you know this, but we have hundreds of thousands of listeners on the radio through the AM FM 24-7 radio network. But if you missed the beginning of this episode or you want more of the Uncommon Truth, you can go there, uncommonpodcast.com. Uh, if you're listening on radio, it's theuncommonpodcast.com. Don't don't ask, just do. And uh, yeah, we're we're really thankful for your time. Thanks, we're thankful for listeners being a part of the Uncommon Truth. And who knows, maybe we'll talk to you next time you're in Orville. See what we're doing. Thanks so much for having you me. You bet. Have yeah, a great love day, you guys. Love you. You've been listening to the Uncommon Truth. Thank you so much for making us a part of your podcast routine. If you'd like to connect with Tony's church, you can go to irenaissance.com. And if you're interested in booking Tony to teach or speak, or for more info about Roar Academy, visit tonykim.co. We really hope you enjoyed our conversation today and would love to get your feedback. You can tell us what you think about today's show at uncommontruthpodcast at gmail.com. You can also get in touch to ask questions for Steve and Vicky or suggest a subject you'd like to hear covered. Either way, we'd love to feature your comments on an upcoming episode. If you're new to the show or just haven't done so yet, please take a moment to leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. That helps push the show up the charts so more people can find us. 
If you know someone who would enjoy the types of conversations that happen on The Uncommon Truth, click share on the podcast app of your choice or send them to uncommonpodcast.com. Until next time, have a great week and keep running after Christianity the way Jesus meant it to be.